How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Catfish Lake Weekly. Um, looks like Doc may have a little bit of trouble tonight. Uh, he's going to try to get in here with us. Lyle's been uh, running all over town today, uh, doctor's appointments, so sorry we're a little bit late. Um, tonight I want to try to talk about uh, the difference between night and day uh, tournament strategies. Um, I've actually fished um, two pretty large state-sized tournaments at night, my only two, and when I first got out, um, right off the bat, I made bad decisions. It would have been something I would have done, you know, first thing in the morning. Um, you know, I just want to see, you know, what everybody else's strategies are if they, you know, do the same thing. what they try plan to do, you know, when they fish these nights tournaments. Um, well, what do you think, Doc? What do you do when you get out on these night tournaments? You there? I don't think Doc's on there yet, Lyle. He might not be, Chuck. He uh, he's having some internet issues, but we'll uh, he yeah, can jump it. in when he's on there, and and we'll let him go whenever he gets a chance. As far as night tournaments, um, for me. Fresh bait is always is always critical, you know. It really is. But when you're when you're fishing at night, uh, you need to make sure that you're not trying to find the bait in unfamiliar areas at night. You need to get that bait right before the tournament starts, or or uh, sometime earlier, because the last thing you want to do if you're on strange water is run around in, in a place looking for bait and get in places that'll get yourself in trouble. So I, I believe that you need to have your bait situation taken care of before. Uh, you get into a position that's going to cause you problems. Now, most places you won't have that problem, but there is places on on, on uh, lakes that, that have shallow water or rivers that have dikes and stuff where you think you know where that dike's at, and the next thing you know you're on top of it or behind it, and the current's pushing you down and different things. So uh, I would get all that stuff taken care of. Uh, I have lights on our boat to where we can see at night. In fact, they're good enough we can film off of. Uh, that's extremely important. Uh, lanterns and um, halogen lights is the way to go. They don't produce as much heat, therefore you don't have near the amount of bugs and stuff with them as you do with regular lights and lanterns and stuff like that. Them bugs will just rip you. Uh, not that they're biting you so bad, it's just they're in your face or in your, between your eyes and your glasses or whatever and they get in the way, so we try to to make sure that uh, we have some kind of off or Buggins or uh, Troy Hansen sponsored by a company that's got some stuff that works pretty good. I can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry, but uh, you know things like that. Have have the have your stuff um, uh, tied up. Have have a couple extra rods tied up, ready to go. So if, if you break off, you got you just go ahead and get one, and then uh, when you get the lighting situation to where that you can retime tie those up and have them ready to go the next time. And uh, I recommend, and I don't always do it, but in night tournaments, I think that everybody and and some of these tournament directors might want to look into this, but it's extremely important that you wear a life jacket in night tournaments. Uh, I know they're hot and they're uncomfortable in some cases, but it's night. It's dark. You can't see. I recommend having a spotlight, a high 
candle power spotlight. We've got a 200,000 can or 200, 200, 2 million candle power spotlight that plugs into a, a cigarette lighter outlet or whatever uh, power source that you have to have one of those so if something happens you can do it. It also works good when you get a fish close to the boat so you can tell where where he's at and how big he is if you need to get the net or if you're just going to grab him with your hand or, or whatever it is. So there's a lot of different things that makes night uh, uh, tournaments. I love them, but the older I get, the less I like them. But it's cooler at night. Uh, if there's any breeze at all and it's 70 or 80 degrees and the sun's not shining, it's very comfortable. Uh, but you want to have your spots that you're going to fish pre-marked, you know, where you're going to go, stay on your your lines on your GPS, on your fish finder to make sure, you know, if you go down that spot and you stay close to that line, you probably won't get in trouble going down there. The rivers we fish are full of dikes, you know. Uh, there's lots of dikes, and if you get too far out of the main channel and you get in one of them, you're going to tear up some stuff, and there's no there's no reason to do that. Just be careful and cautious, and, and uh, you'll do fine. Great. So the, uh, the biggest concern is safety and, and bugs. I, I, I see safety as being the number one issue and, and so, having your bait uh, ready. Uh, yeah, having your bait prepared, ready to go so you're not searching around looking for bait at night. And, and then uh, for sure have some kind of lighting and, and uh, something to keep those bugs off of you. Now, most of the time, if, if there's a light breeze, the bugs won't be too bad. But right now in our area, and I'm not sure if you got them down there or not, but we're right in the middle of the mayfly hatch, and them things will drive you insane. They they just drive you crazy. They don't hurt you or nothing, but every time you open your mouth, five or six of them will fall in there. You know, they're just they're just nasty little bugs that bother you the whole time. Oh yeah, when they um, when they get out, man, you drive through a swarm of those. Uh, you're you're pretty well shot up when you come out of them things. I had them all in my eyes, my face. We had to stop. We couldn't see where we was going. Uh, it was terrible. Yeah, that's a fact. Are you with us, Doc? I don't think he's with us. Yep, he's struggling a little bit with that internet, but he'll get it figured out. And, and uh, if he don't get it figured out tonight, we'll get it. Uh, he'll get it straightened out, and we'll get get going. But, uh, yeah, I, I dearly love night tournaments. I really do. Uh, it's it's cooler, especially when you're in July and August when it's, you know, I, what we get is, is high humidity and uh, 80, 90, 100-degree days, and, and I'm sure you're very familiar with that. And uh, just getting the sun off, even if the temperature's up, having the sun off of you and a little breeze at night makes very comfortable fishing. It's not that it's not hot because it's still hot, but it's just more comfortable. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure about uh, night fishing on lakes. I haven't done very much night fishing on lakes. There, for some reason, there's just not a lot of night lake tournaments around here. Most of the stuff that we're doing is uh, on the Mississippi and the Missouri River. And like I say, those rivers, uh, you can handle them. You just got to pay attention and make sure what you're doing. How do you uh, how do you approach them down there on the on Wheeler and Wilson and places like that, Chuck? Um, on night tournaments, yeah. We, uh, you know, I usually just you know pick me out a good stretch of river. I try not to go too far. You know, no no more than you know ten miles the max. Um, you know, so I, I just try to find me some places that. 
are close to the uh, ramp. Uh, you know, if I'm not able to pre-fish it, I use the Google Earth and the Navionics. Um, map me some stuff out and just concentrate on them stretching the rivers, but which I think that's holding fish. And, um, you know, pretty much fish it about the same as I do during the day. I'm just right. not going to, you know, concentrate on making as long a runs uh, as I tried before. Uh, on night tournament on Wheeler, I tried to make a really long run. Um, you know, and it it just didn't work out as good at night as it did during the day. It seemed like it took me forever to get back because I was a lot more cautious. Um, you know, the you know the fog starts setting in sometimes, and it gets harder to see. It takes you longer to get back than you anticipate. Yeah, and it it took us probably you know thirty minutes longer. Uh, to get back than I thought. We probably didn't get over 20. Um, you know, we're about missed weigh-in because of it. So, you know, from now on, it's just, you know, stay within 10 miles and, you know, find some good stretch of the river and just beat them down really good. You know, I've talked to Doc about night tournaments before, and, and I know that he he uh, really doesn't like doing night tournaments. Uh, and, and I know that he still does some but he don't do them uh, nearly as much as he used to. Uh, and I don't either really, to be quite honest. But uh, when, when we, um, we done one uh, with Kansas City Catfish a couple years ago, it was over Waverly, Missouri, on the Missouri River in an area that we wasn't familiar with. And we found some fish that was about an hour uh, boat ride. And uh, we picked out four or five places in that area that we could go to real quick that was short jaunts. I mean, we didn't have to go uh, very far to get to any of them. And we we uh, stayed there and fished the one, the main spot, the number one place we picked out. We fished it most of the night. And then we went to two other places that was within uh, 300 yards of there, no dikes and stuff. And uh, we got along just fine. But a lot of the tournaments that we fish at night are from 7 at night, which is before the sun goes down, till 7 in the morning. And, and a 12-hour tournament's pretty long, but I honestly believe that the safety issue is better if people not running in and out in the middle of the night and trying to run long distances out there on, on water if they're not familiar with it. Now, some of them guys can go out there, Chuck, and, and they're on that water so much, they don't even need a GPS. They can be out there at night, and it's just like during the day to them because they know where the where everything's at. I'm not that way because so many of the places we go, we're there once a year or once twice a year or once every other year, something like that, and uh, you just can't uh, depend on things not changing on these rivers. So uh, we, we go up and we pre-fish, and like I say, if we find place close to fish, we'll fish two or three spots around close. If we have to make an hour run, we'll find three or four places in that area where it's not very far, and I'll get good uh, marks on my GPS to where I can just stay on that line and get to them and from them and, and know which, uh, which uh, mark it is and, and – uh, then by the time it's time to go in, you know, you it's six o'clock, it's light, so you got an hour to get back and, and usually pretty good shape. But uh, safety, safety, safety. Oh, yeah. Um, are you planning on doing any night tournaments this year? Yes, we are. Uh, we're going to fish. Uh, 
at least one. I, I know, I think Alex has one coming up, uh, and I can't remember the date on it, but I know uh, we're registered to fish the Brunswick tournament. Um, Kansas City Catfish, I believe it's in August, and uh, I'm really excited about that. I've not fished that area, and I have seen some pictures of some absolute giants coming out of there. Uh, the last few years, Doc Yow started having the, the tournaments years ago at Waverly and Brunswick, and Brad has taken that over now and done really well with it. And uh, if you remember not too long ago, we had, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, with, with uh, helping Brad get all that stuff going over there in Brunswick. And it starts out on the Grand River, and you go out there, and it which the Grand Ups into the, the Missouri and uh, it's going to be a great time. We're excited about it, and uh, really think that'll be the first night tournament that we do this year, I believe. And uh, I, I enjoy them. Like I say, I, I don't. Once I get to a place, I'm going to have me two or three spots that we'll fish right there close, and and hopefully we'll we'll do be all right in them, and and uh, we'll stay, you know. I'm, I'm going to say within a quarter of a mile where we start, once it gets dark, we won't go any further than a quarter mile any direction. Just, you know, because I, I just feel more comfortable about doing it that way. And uh, if it works out for us, we'll do good. And if it doesn't work out for us, then uh, we'll be doing something different. <laughs> yeah, uh, is, it, is that is that going to be an all-night tournament? Seven yeah. to seven, 12 hours? Yes, I believe it's seven to seven, I think is... is <laughs> And uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, normally, they have a big crowd over there at Brunswick, and uh, the town gets really gets behind this. Uh, I think that uh, uh, there'll be probably somewhere. I, I don't know. I have no way of knowing, but I'm, I would say there'll be around 100 boats in that tournament, and it'll be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's uh, you know the ones we do here. Uh, are usually from like five till two in the morning, um, and that you know that's what's so dangerous, you know, for me, because you know weigh-ins over around three, and I I try to drive home around that time, and uh, you know every time I end up having to pull over somewhere and and sleep because you know it gets rough around five in the morning for me. I usually get up at three, you know, so I get up, at, you know, three in the morning. That's what time I'm usually getting up. So my, right. it got me totally, uh, you know, messed up really bad. So uh, I'm way off from my routine, and uh, you know, it really takes a toll on me. About about midnight, I'm totally out of gas. Yep. Totally. Yep. I see Doc's in. Looks like he's in on his phone. How's it going now, Doc? Yeah. I don't know what's going on with my computer. It, it just it doesn't want to communicate. So. I can use the phone as long as you guys can hear me. That's cool. Well, yeah, that's great. That's good. That's good. Are you still fishing night tournaments at all, Doc? A little bit. Uh, I, I don't do it much. Uh, just uh, I have trouble seeing at night. I have trouble seeing during the day, let alone at night. And it makes it even worse at night. Uh, the problem I have at night is uh, when I'm driving along on a river and it doesn't, I, I don't. You know, I'm not running full bore like I used to. Uh, but the problem is, if I'm in a lighted area, I think I'm coming up on the back of a boat all the time. You know, just the lights that are along the, the banks, from houses, night lights, and stuff like that. I'm always 
afraid I'm coming up on a boat all the time. So. Well, I knew that you had told me before that you didn't fish very many night tournaments. No. I mentioned that a few minutes ago, but, you know, we, like I can say, we enjoy them. I like it. Us full-figured guys, that sun really kind of baits us, yeah. you know. Chuck, yeah. Chuck doesn't understand that yet, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, the sun That's is. The reason. That's why I got a Bimmy top on my boat. Man, that, that Bimmy top has saved myself in that sun. You know, just the shade off that thing, uh, where you can get in and out, uh, out of that complete full tilt sun right on you, makes a world and a world of difference a lot of times. Yeah, I don't. I know the younger guys can handle it, but you know, as we get older, the sun does a number on us. That's right. That's right. And we was talking about that here a few weeks ago about the sunblock and stuff and. And uh, I, I want to mention something about that while I'm thinking about it. Um, Cindy had got some stuff that you spray on, uh, and we used it a couple of day trips out, and I still was getting the little blistery bubbles coming up on my arms and stuff, and uh, we went to the lotion like the, we had in the old days where you put it in your hand mm -hmm. and you rub it all over you. Uh, that over this past weekend I had zero issues with that uh, and, I, and I know everybody says well you're a wank pansy but uh, I use the baby stuff I get the stuff that's designed for small children it's 50 PSF or PSD or whatever it is uh, the strongest stuff that we can find because my skin's not tough as it used to be and I know you can appreciate that uh, and, it, and it helps uh, I didn't have the issues that I've been having with that spray stuff. Now, Cindy still uses it, and uh, I didn't get burnt. We was in the bright sun for two days, uh, cloud and sun and cloud and sun. You know how that goes, but uh, yeah. I got none of it. Hey, Daniel Kennedy said the sun got him this weekend. He was up at the, at the uh, uh, Fishing for Freedom tournament. He, great guy. Got the, He fished with uh, Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein. They had a heck of a day. I'm glad to see him. He's there with about every year, so it's good to see them guys. But yeah, that sun was, uh, it was pretty tough. There were some people that come in, looked like lobsters from that. You know, they didn't prepare themselves. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you got to take all that thing in consideration night or day. Yeah, it, it can do a number on you, that's for sure. I uh, I wear mainly long sleeve shirts, and I'm using those, uh, them ones that, you know, when you start sweating, they start cooling you down. Uh, so that's mainly what I'm wearing. People think that, uh, you know, I'm out there dying. But, uh, you know, I've got the neck the neck gaiter that you put on, and I can pull that right up on my face, up over my head, and I stay really cool in that thing. Mark Farrell uses one, and he does the same thing. And I think Mark might have had some, some skin issues or something, but uh, I know that he wears them all the time, believes in them. And... Um, I have a brother-in-law that always, always has wore long sleeve shirts ever since I can remember, 30, 40 years. And he told me that once you get to sweating, if there's any breeze at all, when when all of that gets wet, it's cooler with the air blowing on you yeah. than a short sleeve shirt. Now, personally, I haven't found that to be the case with me because I just get so hot, but if I'd lose 40 pounds, I probably wouldn't be near as hot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
But, you know, do you have any special preparations that you do, Doc, when you go into a, a night tournament if, you, if you're going to fish one? Uh, I just make sure that I know where everything is at in the boat. I got certain places that I put things uh, in case, you know, I, I need to, you know, I lay out my uh, needle nose pliers, anything that I might need you know, to get a hook out, the net, and stuff like that. I have a tendency of taking those uh, little night sticks that you can get, and I'll put that one of those on the net, and then I'll put them on the poles. And I've got them on anything that I can reach for. I carry one of those. Uh, Daniel and I just finished fished a tournament two weeks ago, but it was on a lake. Now, I'm comfortable fishing on a lake. I'm not, doesn't bother me at all with fishing on the lake. The river, I get a little psycho when I'm out there, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've got that two million uh, candle light, and then I've got a headlight lamp that I, I wear also. So. I, you know, I've always thought, you, you, when I was a lot younger, and I haven't done it in a, a long, long time, but I used to coon hunt a lot, and um, we had a hard hat with a uh, light on it, and it runs yeah. a battery pack and carried around your belt. Now they make those things on a soft cap, uh, and I really think if I was going to do a bunch of night fishing, that I would have one of those uh, to have in a boat. You know, uh, you can adjust yeah. them to where they're really dim, you can adjust them to where they're really bright, you can have a big wide beam or you can have a narrow beam and they make colored uh, shades that clip on them, they just snap on the front of them things yeah. and they get them in amber and red and green and I don't know what all colors, but I, I personally think that if I was going to do a lot of, of night fishing uh, that I would probably have one of them and I'd probably get one for Cindy that, you know, because uh, the guy if, if you've got a fish out there and one guy's got it on a rod and another guy's going to try to dip it with the net, yeah. uh, I think that that would be something that would be uh, very, very neat to have in the boat to go along with your other lights. Now, on our tracker, we have those big uh, paint pole extendable lights that we got from Bill Parfit, and they work extremely well. They're very, very bright. The trick to those is to crisscross the beams to where one, the one on the right shines to the left rear, the one on the left shines to the rear. Uh, on the right, that way you don't have any shadows, and that cuts out all the shadows. Oh, okay. They work out extremely well. Um, they're halogen, and they don't attract very many bugs. You're not going to keep from getting all the bugs, but I'll tell you this. Uh, the depth finder lights will actually attract more bugs than those big halogens will. Yeah. Now, my depth or, finder lights, I can. you can flip those depth finder lights so that they go to a different color that doesn't bring the bugs in. Tony Caton says that the worst thing for guys on a boat is to turn off all the lights because super hard to notice. Well, that is yeah. exactly right. And by law, you're supposed to have your uh, front and rear lights on at all times. Or is the front lights only have to be on when you're moving? When you're moving. Like yeah, if, you're dri if you're drifting, you got to have front and rears on. When you're anchored up, you have to have that anchor light on. Now, that right. that brings up another subject. Uh, I fished with Daniel here two weeks ago, and he had a brand new LED light on the back of his, you know, he had on the tall, and man, that thing was bright. 
Is it like the ones that I have, the LEDs like I have? I think mine has six LEDs in each one, I believe. Maybe it's not. This is, this is in a circle on his uh, stern light, and man, that thing, you know, it's a good thing he had, you know, I don't know what it was, four or five foot light on the back, but when I stood up, that thing blinded me. Wow. So, and he got the light at Walmart. It was like $10, and he just plug and play, and it was ready to go. I like plug and play. It's very easy for me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And you, you're talking about uh, lights. Uh, I just remembered I've got in my closet, I've got a hat that's got the built-in LEDs under the brim, and you just sit there and click on it. And it um, lights it up, and that, that was pretty good. I have I have a couple of those. They they seem to the ones that I've had are not really high dollar ones. You buy them for five or six bucks at, at uh, places, Walmart maybe. I don't remember where I got them now. I think I got them at a convenience store actually, and they was selling out, and they had them for like three bucks a piece. And I bought four or five of them. But you yeah. can actually change the batteries in them, and they got three or four that goes across and it just yeah. hangs underneath. Yeah. It. Right, those yeah. work really good, and and. For whatever reason, there's a, a strobe light. Um, yeah, I never understood why they had that. I don't know what. Unless good they're using it as a signaling device. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I can't figure out why that would be good to me. But the the lights are very bright, and there's a, a real easy to push button, and it's got a solid click. Yeah. So you know, uh, if it clicks, you know if the batteries are working or they're not working. And and we just keep a, when we was using those all the time, we kept an extra battery or two in the boat with us. Uh, but they work really good, and again, those LEDs—they just don't attract the the bugs like a lot of other stuff. But you're going right. to get some. You can't stop that completely. Yeah, yeah. They, and the thing of it is, you—I know on my website I, I built that light years ago on that PVC pole, and mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I don't use it in my new boat, but uh, because I I just don't do that much night fishing, I I. For me now, I, I want to be able to see where I'm putting my baits and that kind of stuff, and it, it's just rough for me to do it at night. One thing that I learned uh, on those paint poles, and now the paint poles that I have extend to 9 feet. Uh, I'm looking into 14-footers. They make some that will extend 14 foot, and, and for me, getting the light up higher and shining down on those rods will be an advantage for me. Yeah. Because those... Those uh, LEDs, uh, if you have like neon green wraps on your rod or neon orange or white fluorescent wraps, uh, you can put paint on them, you can put fluorescent uh, tape on them. There's a number of ways to do that. But the, the stainless guides that are chrome plated, they really illuminate up from them, uh, them lights. So uh, I, my theory on the longer poles is the further up in the air they are, the even fewer bugs that I'll have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that's, that will work, but I really think that it will. I hope so, anyhow. I'm going to try it. I know sometimes, even during the day, uh, you'll get into a bunch of bugs that just, they, I don't yeah. know, they, you know, they, you see them in the boat, and then all of a sudden they're all over you. Well, like, like I was, Chuck and I was talking when you was out while ago, right now mayflies are really bad, and, and those black gnats, those big buffalo gnats, yeah. or whatever, oh, they're terrible. But they don't bother you when it's got a breeze, you know. 
No, right. But when it's dead calm out, they're all over you. And I don't mind the may I don't mind the mayflowers as long as I don't breathe one of them in. That's when uh, it gets to you. Yeah, that's right. Y'all use the thermocells, right? Yes, sir, and they are a lifesaver. But they won't they won't keep them mayflies off of you. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, you need a darn uh, face shield for those. Ricky Poole wants to know if we fish any different methods at night opposed to the daytime. If so, what are some of the most productive methods? What do you got for him, Chuck? Um, I've always, and I still believe that nighttime is, uh, I want to go to where I think the fish are going to feed because that's that's a really good feeding time. I know at least a few good, you know, a few good times during the night where I have really good uh little feeding frenzies, you know, uh, where you'll catch, you know, five or six fish really quick and then you might not get a bite for a few more hours again. So, you know, at those times I like to be where I know where the bait fish are all the time uh, and set up in a travel route going to those places and, you know, just try to cut them off going to feed. Um, I, want, I want them to get to my bait before they get to the bait fish. And, yep. that's, and that's all I think about is, you know, what where, where am I going to set up to cut these fish off on their way to feed? So, you know, that's at nighttime, that's 100% what I concentrate on. And for you, Doc, will you have any different methods that you try? Uh, if I'm on a river, I'm right up against a bank, uh, and I'm using a lot of live bait combined with cut bait. Uh, you know, I, I really like... I, you know, I like bluegills, but, man, if I can find some live shad, uh, I'll put live shad out there along with uh, cut shad that's fresh shad. I like using that, combined with skipjack, but uh, it just I, I, I lean heavy towards uh, shad. We, uh, we do a lot of the similar stuff, but I always try to keep me some hand-sized bluegill uh Live shad works awesomely. I like the bluegills, and I like to have them right up next to a brush pile or something. Yeah. So uh, have been pinned down on a short uh, leader. That way, when that baby comes out, he's trying to get away from him, and and uh, he'll also makes him. If he's on a long leader, sometimes they can squirm around and uh, drag the process out. But on a short leader, he go only go so far. Now, nighttime, I love fishing for flatheads. I mean. Uh, in our area, a lot of times flatheads won't win you a tournament just because they're so hard to catch compared to blues. But uh, I'll try to find a place where there's current a current seam uh, on a ledge or a drop off, and I'll have cut bait out in the deeper water, and I'll have the live bait up next to the bank. And, and a place that I really like to do that is in the front and the back of a big bend on a river, uh, and, and have it where you cast some distance and keep some of them in close to the boat, some of them further away. Uh, but structure is, is a priority for me on on deals like that. I either want trees that are uh, submerged in the water, or I want rock piles, or something down there uh, for them to hang by. I, I'm looking for for some reason for them to be there and a shallow flat. Tony says uh, a shallow flat during summer nights and and big fish to chase the bait, especially big blues, and he is correct about that. Uh, another thing to, to, that I always try to remember and sometimes don't is uh, at night if the wind is blowing up towards the shallow bank, it'll push those shad up there and 
If those shad are headed to the shallow banks, then blues will be behind them, flatheads, even yeah. channel cat. Uh, you know, they'll be right at the edge of that. We're just waiting to sneak up there and grab them a quick snack. Yeah, you know, finding a very nice eddy, um, you know, especially if there's a good, you know, creek opening or a tributary coming in. Um, you know that's that's perfect for for live bait and spreading out uh, cut bait scent. You know that it just keeps swirling around your your cut baits, your live baits, and um, the fish in. But after they get up in there, you know, and they and they get them uh, sensors honed in on them live bait. That's what they usually end up nailing. If they if they get up in there and they sense those live gills, um, you know, that cut bait might have got them there. But that you can't turn down a big gill. I mean, even big blues, they're gonna they're gonna pulverize them just to be mean. Just to be mean. Um, I, I believe it. I mean, I've had them just crush them and, and let go. You know, and you pull in a brim. Uh, you know, bigger than your hand, and he's just his eyeballs are popped out because he's been squished so hard. Um, I mean, it, they're just mean. You know, they can't catch them any other time when they finally get to catch them. If they're not hungry, I think they're just gonna say, "Hey, I got you." Yep. So we've talked about that before, Chuck. You know, and I still think that that uh, if you happen to throw one out in front of a blue's face, a big blue. Even if you don't want him to eat, he'll just kill him because he's he's in his way. Yeah, yeah, he's there. I got a buddy that fishes for blues, drifting, and uses nothing but live bluegill. Yeah, and he and nothing he, he, he pounds it. That's all he uses is live bluegill. Big blues. Big blues. Yep. Yep. That's that's good advice. That ought that ought to get you some points there to to check on Ricky and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things, and a lot of guys that fish nights do it a little bit different than the next guy. But uh, you know, one thing that we missed out on, and a lot of the guys that fish over uh, from the middle of Missouri over to the Kansas City side, there's a lot of guys over there that do a lot of drifting and back bouncing and stuff like that. And I know some of them do it at night. Um, now, I don't mind doing that on the Mississippi River. Uh, below dams and stuff that I'm familiar with. I, I do it down at Alton a lot. I do it uh, below the Clarksville Dam. Uh, in the Louisiana pool, I've done it at night. But um, for me to go in to an area that I'm not familiar with, uh, I probably wouldn't be doing any drifting or back bouncing unless I was with someone that was familiar with it. I mean, really... From, no, I, I could, area, yeah, I could jump in the boat with Rob, Greg, or or uh, you know Brent Riddle or some of them guys, and I wouldn't think a thing about it, you know, because I know that they've done enough of it. If they said we're we're good to go, then we'd be good to go. Um, but for me to go over there, uh, and by the way, Brent caught a monster over the weekend. I believe it was 86, uh, just a giant. And uh, but I wouldn't, um, I you know, if he said, hey, I know where we're going, we're going to be back mounted, I'd get right in the boat with him when we go. Uh, but for me to go over to the same spot, not knowing that area, I probably would be looking for an anchor place, uh, or, or or like Chuck was talking about, an eddy behind a wing dike. But you know, you can fish the tip of that wing dike where the hole is, 
uh, and they'll be sitting in that hole a lot of times waiting for something to drift through there for them to eat or they'll come up out of that hole right at the head of it and, and you can snag one there but a lot of times you can also cast back behind that dike and they'll run up and down back at night uh, trying to catch that them, uh, fish that are running down behind the back side of that wing dike and you can get one there too. Uh, but flathead fishing at night is a lot of fun if you can find them in, a, in a, some structure someplace. You can sit there and if there's a lot of times there'll be two or three of them in there and you catch them all if everything goes right. Yeah, tributaries are uh, right at the mouth of a tributary is really good at night too. Now we fished this weekend below a tributary of a creek running into the Mississippi and uh, we caught all but one of our fish right there. Now it come out there was a washout hole and we was just anchored off that washout hole and they was coming up the river towards that and, and that's where we caught our fish. Yeah. And there was other guys that actually was on the other side of the creek inlet uh, fishing above it. I don't know if they caught any fish or not, but we caught all but one of our fish uh, right there uh, below the, the, the hole. And uh, I actually tried the hole, didn't do any good, but, you know, they, they don't always work. Yeah. Uh, in my area, rock piles, if you can find areas where there's rock piles, uh, they work great during the night, uh, even better during the day. Do you think that the, those rock piles hold a lot of crawfish? I don't know if they hold crawfish. Uh, I know my son won a tournament this past weekend at the Bend Area Care, and, and uh, I hope he doesn't mind it, but... He was fishing nothing but rock pile. That's all he was fishing. Well, I seen that Larry won that. That's a great, good job yeah. for him. And yeah. uh, Josh was with him, and the, and another boy. Is that correct? Yeah, that was uh, Greg. He's Josh and Greg are my grandsons. So I've not yeah. met Greg, but that's that's really cool. The they took them three go out there and and uh, win yeah. that tournament like that. That's outstanding. Yeah. Greg, uh, Greg caught the 41. He caught the big fish for awesome. Larry's boat. So is he older than Josh or? No, uh, he's really. He's much younger. Yeah, Josh. He's man, that boy. He has popped way up there. He's big now. <laughs> he's a good kid, I tell you. He loves the fish. Man, ain't nothing he's still, better. He's, nothing still, better. he's still trying to beat his grandma's uh, 88. He done beat me. My biggest one was a 56, and he busted a 57, I think, last year or the year before. He let me know about it real quick, too. Guarantee it. He hadn't caught his grandma yet. That's his next. That's his goal is to catch his grandma, but he well, don't have to go some to do that. Yeah, he's got a long time to do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else we have on this subject, Chuck? Uh, I think Doc was going to try to get in on locking through dams tonight if we had a chance. That's a good subject, and that's something that's very important. I think now's a good yeah. time to do that. Yeah, I didn't realize uh, that so many people were kind of afraid of going into lock. <laughs> I remember my first time uh, going into lock, which was years ago. It was, uh, you know, I said, "Man, what have I got myself into here?" Once they closed them gates up behind you, and then that, uh, I, re I remember we had, uh, we went from a low up to the high part of the dam, 
and uh, it was like being in a boiling cauldron inside there. Yeah. So, but uh, it's it's not not as bad as what a lot of people think. Uh, you know, as you approach a lock, you want to go at a very moderate speed. Um, nowadays, I think most everybody contacts the lock masters using their cell phones. And uh, but in case you can't get a cell phone to work. Usually on the inside where the first ladder is, as you approach the entrance to the locks, uh, there's a chain pull that you can pull on, and then that uh, that rings into the lock master. And then if you look up on the wall, there's usually a traffic signal, and most of the time, if the gates are closed, they'll be it'll be flashing red. Once the gates open, then it'll turn green or they'll hit the whistle for you. And you just motor on in. Uh, just, you know, don't go roaring in. Just motor on in. Along the walls, there are several, they're movable uh, pontoons. You can see them. They're kind of recessed in the wall. Those are the ones that you want to hook your boat up to. You got it. You got to make sure that you have a life jacket on when you're inside of a lock. And uh, then you tie up your boat to the front of your boat. Mostly, what I do is I just stand on the front deck and hook up to that unit. And then, as the water either goes up or down, that unit moves with us. I remember one time I locked through in Louisville and uh, they didn't see the one guy hook up. He hooked up to a stationary and they had to stop the lock in the middle. Uh, you know, it pulled up and then, it, you know, we started hollering at the lock master and uh, they had to stop the lock and, uh, you know, the guy had to unhook and then, you know, it, it just held us up in the lock for a long time. They're fairly quick. They want to get you in and out. Um, I know that those that have fished the monsters on the Ohio, that is really nice because those lock masters, you know, they know there's a tournament going on. They want to get you in there and, and get you out. And so it, it works real well. But, you know, once you're in there, then you hook up to the movable one and as the water depth changes it moves up and down in it and you just hang on to the rope uh, you're not allowed to smoke inside of a uh, lock when it's closed up uh, that is a, I, I think that's a federal law or something uh, maritime or something like that I just know you're not allowed to smoke in there mm. and then uh, Usually, I just shut the motor off on my boat. I don't leave it running. Uh, and uh, then once uh, the, they get you to the either upper level or the lower level, then the gates start opening. And uh, then either they toot the horns or you'll see that traffic signal change to green. Uh, motor out of there real easy. Uh, I've seen the guys go roaring out of there. And it just makes it real bad on the guys that are behind it because there's no place for that water to go except to those walls. So it just starts banging against those walls, and you know, you can get tossed around inside that lock 
pretty good if somebody goes roaring out of there. Uh, and just kind of, you know, idle on out. And then once you get out past the end of the lock wall, which is about a thousand yards, then you can open her up and get going. So um, it's pretty quick. Uh, you talk about how much water is in that lock, how much they can get in and how much they can get out in a very short period of time. Uh, for those of us that are tournament fishing, and we most of us know it, that uh, the barges do have priority over the pleasure boaters. So, you know, you got to kind of, you're, you're rolling the dice if you lock through. Now, they do have times that you can lock through if you're in a tournament, but if a barge comes through during that lockout time, you're, you're going to be sitting in that lock. So. That, that's right, and I know guys that's got hung behind them, yeah. behind them uh, in tournaments, and uh, they didn't get locked through in time. Um, we locked through a lot of times, uh, but I have a time frame uh, in my mind when we take off and lock right. through that yeah. I'm coming back through there. That way, if something happens uh, and you can't, I'll call the guy and say, hey, how long is it going to be? Uh, approximately and we'll go to a wall on the dam and fish or to a place real close that we think we can get into something and do a little fishing uh, and then about that time that he says is going to be there I'll be there within 15 minutes of that time ahead of time and uh, if he's he's ready early uh, he'll let you through uh, if you're there late and another barge comes through again you're 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 in trouble so uh, yeah. the them guys uh, with them barges, they have to go first, and uh, that's just right. the way. So uh, that's what they were built for. They're they're built for that commercial traffic to get in and out of there. Yeah, now I'm not sure, but I understand that that call, they charge them guys a lot too. Is that right? I don't know about that. I don't either. I, I'm not sure. I'd heard both ways, so I'm not a hundred percent. I don't know if you, have you heard anything about that, Chuck? No, I haven't. Okay, maybe. Well, I'll get a hold of Ricky and or Harold and find out for yeah. sure. I'm not sure how that works. Them guys would for sure know. But uh, uh, oh, the other the other thing I forgot to mention: you're not allowed to fish inside the lock. Man, yeah. there's some there's some nice fish inside that lock too. Yeah. Well, that's that, dri the that drives you crazy when you're looking down over the side and you can see a blue working the wall. That's how they get back and forth up and down. Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> They're sitting there eating those zebra muzzles off of the wall. I remember yeah. looking down in the wall in the water one time. I think it was on the Monsters of the Ohio, and I just man, there was a big blue, and you could see him there rubbing up against that side wall, and he was sitting there munching away. So, yeah, so don't don't throw your cast net or anything in there. Yeah, it gets so. you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know they do travel them just like the boats do. And uh, now yeah. I, we was we was fishing over the weekend and we was around the dam. Um, the locks was completely open, and, and uh, I have heard and and seen these things happen where guys will. Uh, get big cojones and they'll shoot through there where the lock ain't at, you know, when that's level and go through there. Boys, don't do that. They will chase you down and put you in a world of hurt that you're not supposed to do that. Uh, I, do. I just can't see 
as big as them gates are, you know, I just don't, I don't want no part of that. <laughs> I watched <laughs> it. I did watch it happen in Alton. Yeah. They had uh, them gates swung up. I watched boats go in. Yep. I, in uh, there. But, I just, uh, I always thought it'd be funny if, if you had something that was really fast that you thought you'd get away from them just to shoot through there, but the older I get, the less... Plus, I think of that, and and, and I know a, a, a conservation agent that was actually chasing a guy down, and he done it, uh, but he went right up there and explained the situation when it was done. In my understanding, uh, you know, to, because you're not you're not supposed to do it. But uh, years ago, my brother and I talked about that a number of different times, and uh, good thing we were sober because we'd probably tried it, but we didn't. <laughs> yeah. You, know. but, you might uh, be you might be able to outrun the the boat. You're not going to outrun a camera, and you're not going to outrun a radio. No, and and, and they will catch up with you. Absolutely, and something a lot of people don't realize: all those dams are equipped with cameras in several places across that dam, and uh, they can get the numbers off of your boat. So if if you're doing something you're not supposed to be, uh, they will find you. I, it's just a matter of time. It may take not be that day or. The next day, but sooner or later, if you're doing something that they want you for, they will get you. It's just that yeah. simple. But yeah, that's that's really a a good subject. And and one thing that I will mention about that, and and uh, I've been aggravated with them guys at times. But if you're courteous and polite to them guys, it'll go a long way uh, of getting locked through without delays and stuff, any, uh, you know, anything that they can't help. If you're nice to them guys and wave at them and, and, uh, uh, just common courtesy will go a long way with them boys getting you in and out of them things. And <laughs> yeah. Best, cause they, cause can, get, they can stop you, you know? Yeah. You got to remember <laughs> they're working and you're, <laughs> you're fishing. So. <laughs> and they're already mad about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I would be if I was working on a on a locking dam and guys were out there fishing. Man, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Well, uh, Chuck, what did you have happen over the weekend? Any excitement down your way? Uh, none at all. Um, just did a lot of stuff around the house. Got uh, hopefully these. Uh, Fish should get through spawning here pretty soon, and uh, it'll be time to get on it. Yep, yep. Well, I know that, that some of them are spawning here. I feel like the blues, uh, uh, a high percentage of them are on spawn now. I don't believe they all are because we've seen some, some pretty good blues caught over the weekend. No no, no giants, but Brent, like I say, he caught a, a, a stud. Uh, a friend of mine that lives up the road here for me uh, sent me some pictures. Uh, while we was uh, up at the uh, tournament and uh, absolutely caught a giant on Lake the Ozarks also. And, uh, you know, that's just uh, outstanding. So they're not all on the nest. And these fish that I have seen, uh, even the ones that we caught over the weekend, um, I don't believe they either haven't been on or they're not in the game for whatever reason because there was nothing there. Uh, no, no marks on them to amount to anything, and uh, you know I just don't think that was an issue. So, uh, but but there, the the numbers of of larger fish has slowed down in our area compared to what it was, and I'm assuming that's pretty much. The water temperature was 78 degrees, so uh, 
they're be going quick. Yeah, they should be in the middle of it here. Uh, as a general rule, uh, they start before it gets that warm. So uh, I'm hoping in a couple of weeks it'll be about over here. What what's the situation out in Ohio, Doc? Uh, they haven't gone. The blues have started. Uh, the flatheads have not yet. I talked to Larry, uh, and Larry said he had a 120 pounder that uh, had some marks on its head, and but he said the 41 and the 39 that he caught, neither one of them had any marks. I talked to Justin. Connor Tabitha caught the big fish of that tournament, which was a 44 pounder. It was a flathead, and he said it didn't have any marks, and that that you know the rest of their fish. I, I think most everybody in that tournament caught mostly flatheads, and uh, which that that area is really well known for flatheads, and uh, very few of the fish had. Uh, Gone, but you know it, it's supposed to. I know by Saturday down here it's supposed to be up in the 90s, and uh, so it, it's you know it's just a matter. It, it won't be long, and they'll be gone. Yeah, I, I know that uh, they're calling for 98 here one day this weekend. I don't know if it's Friday or Saturday, and I believe me, I'm not ready for that. Um, that's just I just never am ready for them kind of temperatures, but. Yeah. Uh, Tony said that Zach caught an 88 last week. That's a great fish. He's really been on them this year, and uh, he seems to think it that the spawn's over on Gaston Lake. So, uh, and it, it's not the same in every area, and, and they right. all go on the nest uh, at the same time in every place. So I, I really think that the uh, the smaller fish probably spawn first. Now I know guys think that the bigger ones spawn first. I'm not, I don't know how that works, but I've always uh, uh, been able to catch the smaller ones sooner as the spawn ends, and I have the bigger ones. Seems like the bigger ones are the later ones. They're the last ones you start catching as they start coming off nest. And I'm I'm going to say probably this week in our area some of the so early spawners will be uh, will be coming off, and you'll start catching some of them. And in the next couple of weeks, it, uh, it'll be it'll be it'll be uh, going at it when they when all them old gals come off that nest. Uh, they're they're ready to eat. That's the time to really lay it on some. Yeah, you end up catching a fish that's probably normally go 50, 60 pounds, and they're down to about 40, 41 yep. pounds because they're skinny and yep. yeah, they look kind of ragged anyway. So. Yeah, they're beat up from top to bottom, and usually the head's still great big, but the body's not. You know. It, yeah, they're all trimmed out. So. Yep. Yep. There's nothing wrong with them, but they've just they've just been doing their thing, and their thing's done. Yeah. So I know Robbie Robinson, he catches a lot of the spawned-out ones, and, man, they're just, you know, I've seen some of the pictures that he put out. He said, you know, boy, I wish I would have caught that gal when she was uh, clear <laughs> packed full. So. Robbie really catches a lot of quality flatheads. He really yeah. does. And uh, I watch his videos, and... And uh, he turns all them big old gals loose, and that's that's awesome. I've actually talked to him about being on our show, and uh, he's he's like so many people. He doesn't have the setup or the internet connection and, and stuff to right. to do it. Maybe we can get him on uh, a live show sometime when we're doing one of those, and and visit with him because man, do I have some questions for him about you know Janet and 
Teresa, they won't give me none of them flathead secrets, so I'm thinking if I could get Robbie to spill the beans on a couple of them, that wouldn't hurt a thing. Yeah. He really gets on them. What have you got for closing statements tonight, Chuck? Uh, nothing really. I'm not. I'm not fishing anything probably the month of June. Um, I don't plan on it. So if something pops up, I may go. But uh, for me, it's just like it's going to be July. I understand. I understand. Taking you a month to... off, get everything ready. Well, that's that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. That mm -hmm. that is definitely the way to do it. You got any uh, any closing statements and uh, Doc's tip for the night, Doc? Uh, yeah, well, my tip for the night is uh, on your, uh, especially on these touch screens, you can go to, like, Walmart. I go to my eye doctor, and I get these little bottles of uh, glass cleaner, and I spray that on my uh, depth finders. Uh, you know, I've got two touch units, so they get kind of smeared up from my fingers going all over everywhere on them. So you spray that on there and then use one of those micro cloths. Now, this is one that Lawrence makes. It came with my unit, and then you wipe those down, and you keep those units clean. Uh, because on the touch units, it's real. You, if you get any kind of gravel or any dust on it then it'll it'll scratch them as you're sliding your fingers across them and stuff like that so these small bottles like this I carry that right there with me so you know if I see it starting to get messed up or if you know if, if I'm fishing near a bank and a dust cloud comes across you know I want to get that stuff off of that lens so I don't scratch it up but uh, that's Doc's tips for the night well, Doc, I want to, Benji brought that up, and I didn't know you was going to do it, but I have some stuff on my desk that I clean, not only my depth finders and stuff, it's actually made for uh, monitors for computers. And it's called Kingston Screen Guardian. I, can you see that? Yeah. Um, it's a four-ounce bottle, and my daughter... Uh, brought this out here for me to use, and I believe she said that it come from Best Buy. I'm not 100% sure, but, uh, you know, my computer's set up in here, and I got lots of dust and stuff flying at different times, and I use a vacuum to try to get all of it when we're shaping things and, and doing stuff, but there's no way to keep it all down. And, right. and like you say, any time that you move or touch anything on a screen that, that there's dirt or anything on it, it will scratch those things. Now, I don't have a touch monitor on this computer, uh, but the, the HDS-12 is one. And this stuff will work on your home computer. It works on your phone. You know, my phone, it, it gets all yucky, and it gets so bad from, from oil on my fingers that you can't yeah. even a phone call and stuff and you can spray a, just a one shot of that on that thing and take you a, a paper towel or something and wipe it off and, it, and it's good for a while and it's, it does something to kind of protect it and I've been using it on the, on the Hummingbird and Lawrence and, and it works really good because you are always got water spots on them, you got fingerprints and things on them so yeah. either one of those products ought to be, uh, be really good and I'm sure there's many many other things to use but these this works for me. That works for you. And uh, yeah. when I'm at my eye doctor appointment coming up, I'm going to uh, ask him if he has something, and maybe we can determine what one 
works the best and what the cost on them is and, and give an intelligent evaluation on them. Yeah, the, I know Rance said try not to use an alcohol-based. Uh, right. You know, because it, it, it will etch into it. So, And, I, I think, and that brings another point. You had made mention uh, that you use a, like a spray uh, for your uh, sunblock and stuff like that. you got to be real careful that you don't get them on your Lorances or your Humminbird because they'll spot them up in a in a heartbeat and you can't get them clean. No, that's it's really hard to get off of anything like that and that's yeah. another reason that I like the lotion better and, and I honest to God um, the, the lotion type for me personally works better and, and it's thick you, can, you know how it is and you put it on there and, and we have decided the time for us to do that is before we ever leave the motel or the house yeah. you put it on then you wash your hands of course I, I keep a lot, a lot of people use all kinds of different stuff in a boat to wash the slime off their hands with. I keep uh, a, a uh, bar of lava soap, and I keep it in a Tupperware-type uh, container, and that's what I use during the day. And when you get done, it doesn't really have an odor when you get get the, the stuff washed off of you. Now That's a good tip. Yeah, we also have some stuff uh, that we got from Dave uh, Ashby. Um, and I can't for the life of me think of what the name of it is, but it's made for fish smells on your hands. Um, it works really good. Now, the main time I use that, it, it's in a little, you just pour it in your hand, and just like it's just soap, but it, but it gets rid of the fish smell. And and it's not the lava soap won't get it rid of it 100 percent, but it nearly will. Uh, but it gets the slime off, uh, uh, I think, better than the other. But when, you, when you're when you done fishing for the day, get some of that stuff today, but pour over your hands and, and wash them real good. And then when you get in your truck to go home, your steering wheel will smell like skipjack or shad or, you know, whatever else you've been using. Yeah. You know, uh, and it makes a world of difference, and it keeps Cindy off the butt, and I like that. Do you have any uh, tournament information from this weekend, Doc? Yeah. Uh, just a couple of tournaments. Uh, Catfish Country. Uh, they had a tournament this past weekend. It was. Uh, oh, my light went out. Hang on it. Uh, it was won by uh, uh, Jamie McCarty and Randy Collin. Uh, they had 62 pounds of their big fish. They also had the big fish. That was 37 pounds. This tournament was on the Ohio River. Uh, second was Mark Blavet. And Randy Howard, they had 40 pounds. Second tournament was a Bend Area Care out Mason, West Virginia. That was won by my son and my two grandsons, Larry, Josh, and Greg Lang. 139.18 uh, pounds, and that sets a new record for the most pounds ever caught at the Bend Area Care. Uh, second, second was J. L. Campbell. And Terry Campbell, 121.88 pounds. Third was Justin Connor and Tabitha Linville, 118.48 pounds. See, those those were really close. <laughs> they were tight. Uh, 44 pound, 0.40 ounce flathead by Tabitha. She had the big fish for the tournament. That's a great fish. And there were several 40-pound fish caught in that tournament. Larry, well, Larry had a 41, and he had a 39. 
But there was That's a bunch of other there was a bunch of other forty pounders that were caught. So I uh, those are the only two tournaments I had. I, I was really impressed with. I hated it that Janet and Bink went out there and they had no troubles on their trailer. Yeah, uh, I understand they lost a spindle or something, and and uh, of course we was getting ready to go. Uh, and our, in fact, we was already gone uh, to where we was going this weekend, and and uh, I seen that, and I hated that. But uh, you know, it was just a heck of a deal that Claude Reynolds and his little girl was going to yeah. fish that tournament. Bink jumped in the boat with them. Uh, you know, I know that that's a tough decision with Janet and Bink of, of which one would go. Um, but I, you, you can't beat a deal like that when a guy is is going and there's vehicle brakes and and uh, Claude said, "Hey, jump in the boat with us. Let's go." And and I will promise you, them two had a blast together. Oh yeah, they did. And uh, you know, Claude's little girl. Uh, I seen some of those pictures. I, I really haven't been home hardly at all since Thursday. Uh, and uh, I, I did see a couple of them. I can't see them pictures on my phone. I get so aggravated that getting old just ain't the, what it's all cracked up to be. I'll tell you right now. But, uh, you know, I, I know that they had a good time, and that was outstanding. I used Ryan Moran's boat, and, and uh, but Janet and Bink, they'll, be, they'll have their boat done and ready to go again. And uh, it was just pretty cool to see that, that Claude and them got to fish together, and I'm sure they had a blast. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. I oh, want yeah. to... Uh, I want to visit a, a What's your name? I just want to visit a few minutes about the Fishing for Freedom tournament we went to in Quincy, Illinois. Um, for those of you that don't uh, aren't aware of that or missed the show, this is one of the most outstanding uh, tournaments that you go to. You don't win any money. It's not about that. Um, it's just fun. It, it really is. And we met some of the greatest people, uh, and I don't, I haven't been home, so I, I'm gonna to make it a point next week to go over some of this. But I got to, Cindy and I got to fish with a, a retired major uh, from the Army. Um, Joe was an outstanding guy in the boat. I'm not sure if he'd ever been fishing before, but if he had, it was very little. I don't even show that he'd ever been in a boat before. He had a blast. We, he caught three fish. He caught a huge drum. It wasn't as big as Jerry Klein's drum, but you know, five and a half, six pound drum in in Mississippi River current, and them them locks are all wide open, so we got plenty going on. And he had a blast in the boat. He done very well. We had such a good time with him. Uh, it, it just it makes the trip a five and a half hour drive, and spending the night couple of nights up there it, it was worth every bit of that to take this gentleman out fishing he was the best guy in a boat you could ever ask to be with uh, we got to see a bunch of people that we don't get to see all the time so that's always a blast and, and I'm telling you these guys these military personnel that get to go fishing they appreciate that more than most people realize and um, the Kennedy, I can't think of his first name, to fish with Joe and Jerry. Uh, I got to have my picture taken with him. And, and I want to tell you, I'm very proud of that, to get to take a picture with, with them military guys. It's just, uh, uh, it just means a lot to me. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes I feel like maybe they think it's something for them, but it's nothing for them. It's everything in my benefit. Uh, it's just a really cool deal. And, and 
we're going to try and, and uh, Buddy Weisenberger uh, usually fishes, well he fishes a lot of tournaments with his son Ace and they are tough, they're really tough at, at all the tournaments they go to in that area and uh, great folks and I was talking to Jackie, his wife and, and Buddy fished uh, the tournament and took his guy, uh, Terry I believe is his name, out and they won the tournament and won big fish and uh, I talked to to uh, Jackie at the tournament the other day and we're going to try, uh, Buddy don't know this yet, but she's going to try to get everything set up to where we can have Buddy and Caroline and possibly the, the gentleman they fish with uh, on the show next week for 15 or 20 minutes as guests and I'll try to get the, some more information. Um, that tournament is divided up into three sections, a catfish, crappie and bass and they can either fish Mark Twain Lake uh, for crappie and bass, or you can fish for crappie and bass on the Mississippi River, but I think you do better at the lake. And uh, Alex Nagy and Ken Pryor and Matt Marshall and a bunch of them guys went over and fished for catfish over there, and they caught some fish on the lake. We stayed on the river. Um, like I say, had a great time. Well, I'm, I haven't seen the results, and we didn't hang around for them. I believe we was in the top ten uh I think around eight, but I'm not sure. I know Joe and and Jerry uh, was, uh, I believe, fifth, and Buddy won it. I'm not sure who the second place people was. I never, uh, never heard of the the voter before, and uh, I know Calvin Meyer had a good day up there. Him and his wife uh, took a gentleman out, and I believe this is their first time, and they caught a really good fish, a big channel cat, big channel cat. So uh, hopefully I can spend some time and get all that information down and maybe we can get Buddy and Caroline and them guys on the show for next week and talk about this tournament and how much fun they had. Uh, if we can spend 15 minutes with them. I know, uh, like I say, Buddy don't even know we're talking about it, so I'm not sure he's <laughs> how he's going to feel about it, but Caroline, uh, Jackie seemed to think that she would do it, so uh, we're going to try to make that happen and, and we'll I'll get all the information gathered up for this tournament. Um, I don't think that I have any tournaments coming up this month. Uh, I think most of the June tournaments are pretty much over uh, until the end of the month, and then we've got one in uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors. We'll be having one in uh, Warsaw, Illinois, which is just across from uh, Keokuk, basically. So uh, we'll be looking at it. It's an added money tournament, so uh, it ought to be a pretty good payout. I am pitching a tournament this week, the SWOCC tournament. It's in New Richmond on the Ohio River this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. So Daniel and I will be out there donating our money and drowning bait. Hopefully we'll <laughs> catch some fish. <laughs> well, you know, I, you guys will do fine. I know you will. Um, it's the day tournament, right? Yeah, during the day. Yeah. But boy, it, it's going to, I think I'm going to make the run to the dam because that way, uh, I won't be involved in with so much bait, boat traffic. You know, it's supposed to be 90 degrees. Boy, they're going to be out there churning that water up. Oh, I know they will be. I know uh, some of the guys uh, that fished up there on the Mississippi, they went some long distances. Uh, and like I say, this this doesn't pay out anything. So them guys put out the extra effort to get their guys on some fish. And, and uh, there was a That's lot cool. of fish. 
It really is. Uh, I, I would like to mention, and will you and I and Chuck and all, we all talk about this. Uh, Chuck, I, I had several guys uh, visit with me over the weekend that know you are ex-military, and they think it would be really cool if you could make, make it up to one of these in Quincy. Doc, it would be awesome if you could come over, and here's the reason why. Um, the gentleman we had on the show here a while back, and talking about this, him and I visited a little bit the other day. We're going to try to do a live Catfish Weekly show before that tournament next year. Um, he said that the boat numbers increased dramatically uh, after we'd done that show. And, and he said that's the only difference that it that there was. So I'm very happy that yeah, we're making cool. back. Yeah. yeah, if we're making that kind of impact that they get more boaters involved to take these military guys in and out and, and have a good time for a day, then that'd be great. So if we can work it out, well, we're going to we're gonna try to make sure that it happens. We're going to have a show, and uh, uh, if you guys can make it, that'd be awesome. But I know there was four or five guys that would, would said, well, can you get Chuck to come up here? And I said, well, I'll, I'll ask him. Uh, I said, it's a long, long trip for Chuck to come oh, up here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, you know, of course, I think that you ought to get in the boat with me. There's several of them other guys that think you ought to get in the boat with them, and, and you'll have to decide how that would work out, Chuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, uh, they was really excited about the fact that we may do a show up there, and like I say, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do one, and if you guys can make it, that would be awesome. It'll be the, it usually always is the first weekend in June, uh, and uh, it's a, Couple three day event, but uh, they feed you awful well. And and uh, if you guys can make it, that'll be great. Uh, if not, we'll set it up like we do now, and you guys can be where you're at, and I'll be up there, and we'll make it happen that way. But I know that uh, uh, there was two or three of them. You know, these guys at this uh, they have a huge dinner in a big auditorium up there on uh, Saturday night, and uh, a lot of people familiar with Catfish Weekly and and I got asked several questions about Chuck and several questions about Doc and if we ever fish together, if we ever do videos together, uh, how often we get to see each other, just a number of different things like that. So uh, it made me feel extremely proud that we've making an impact on our sport. Good deal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you guys didn't have anything else for tonight, I think we'll call it an evening. Be sure to tune in next Monday night at 7 Central, and we'll see you on Catfish Weekly.